Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecka. so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. This hour, we'll explore taking control, prevention through nutrition. Although prevention of illness by means of screening has become more prevalent in our healthcare systems, for the most part, we don't give our health much thought until something breaks, and then we seek out a doctor to fix it. What if there were a way we could be more proactive, take control of our lives and avoid illness to begin with? After all, who's in a better position than the one living in the body to care for it? With us this hour to consider our preventative nutritional options is the author of Eat for Life, Dr. Joel Furman. Dr. Furman is a board certified family physician, seven time New York Times bestselling author and nutritional researcher who specializes in preventing and reversing disease through nutritional and natural methods. Through his medical practice, Eat to Life Retreat, books and television specials, Dr. Furman shares his life, saving nutritional protocols with people around the world. His website, drfurman.com. Dr. Furman, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. My pleasure. Excited about talking to you today. It's, it's really, I'm really looking forward to this. We should be having a good time. <laughs> so as a family physician, how did you become interested in nutrition? You know, I was on the world team in figure skating in the early 1970s. Whoa, I and, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was third in the world in pair skating with my sister, actually, my younger sister. And so I was always into like bettering our stamina, compete, you know, getting, not being sick and keeping well. So I was reading health and nutrition books, even then back when I was a teenager. 
And then when my father, you know, got developed some medical problems and learned about, started reading and changing his diet and got well, I became more passionate and I exposed myself to a community where people were trying to eat better and get healthy to reverse diseases. And I actually decided to go to medical school with a specific intent of being a physician who specialized in nutritional medicine, because I always knew there'd be a, a certain group of the population that would be excited about trying to get rid of high blood pressure, get rid of diabetes, recover from autoimmune diseases, you know, take charge of their health destiny and not be sick. Because we know that the standard way most people eat around them in the modern world is resulting in most people developing illnesses, including autoimmune illnesses, and of course, the major causes of death, which are heart attack, strokes, and of course, many different types of cancers that are largely the result of our lifestyle and our diets. And the point I'm making is that we have an unprecedented opportunity in human history now to live healthier than ever before and live longer. And the ideal diet style and the, the, that maximizes the human lifespan also can be utilized therapeutically to help people reverse disease and get well. So that excited me. And I went to medical school to pursue that. Well, you did that backwards of most doctors. Most doctors go to medical school, get two hours of nutrition, and then have to have to scramble around to figure out nutrition if they decide to go that direction. Did that change your approach while you were studying, the fact that you came in with that intent to start out with? Um, well, it made me direct my energies towards learning things that would be important for my future career. For example, when I went to University of Pennsylvania Medical School, they knew my particular interests. So they gave me a mentor there who was into nutrition and was a nutritional scientist who could, who could help me um, pursue outside interests. And so they, and they also made me chairperson of the Nutritional Education Committee at the medical school and put me on the, the admitting committee. So in other words, they helped you develop your specialty and your interests while you were there. So I, the fact that I kind of knew my interest early on, it, helped, it did help me pursue that better. And then I became a, a regular um, a board certified family physician, which takes a lot of effort and you know, residency and study and knowing a broad amount of knowledge about all different types of medical conditions, which I felt was the right foundation to be able to help people for, over all different ages and, and with different conditions and utilize obviously nutrition and natural methods to help them get well. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when you were studying, did your attitude or you know, did the knowledge that you were getting from medical school change your views on nutrition at all? No, not at all. Actually, the more I learned about the basic science and how the body works, the more it supported and invigorated my passion and how important nutrition was. I remember the first week in medical school, they taught us that the reason why drugs work is because they're poisonous. And, they, and the more drugs you take in your life, the shorter your lifespan, because they will cumulatively increase your risk of cancer, because they actually work by blocking or interfere with natural body processes. And if it had its efficacy is proportional to their toxicity. So even in medical school, when we learned, for example, that inflammation is intertwined with the process of repair and to remove um, the buildup of waste products and, and inflammatory agents that could damage tissue. And that if we suppress inflammation with steroids and other drugs and make people feel better, they'll actually age faster and get sicker and die younger. So we, we learned a lot of the basic information that supported that living healthfully is the only way to be healthful and you can't really buy good health with drugs and with doctors. And they taught us that in medical school, but then you develop you, through your training and through your residency, you realize that most people don't wanna change their life. They just wanna take a pill. But 
having this mindset, you develop the art of motivating people, of encouraging them and instructing them how much safer it is for them to, let's say, work to get rid of their condition as opposed to just suppressing symptoms with medication. So I think it aided my understanding of, of, um, of why nutrition is so important, so valuable. And of course, much of medical school, they supported that, of course. Let's, let's talk about, we're going to talk about nutrition for the next hour, but let's talk about the nutrition of, say, America or Canada right now, as compared to the way it was like, say, in my father's era, um, he died in his late 90s. And, um, but he, you know, lived on a farm, grew up on a farm, raised their own food and was very, very, very healthy. Um, didn't know anything about the physical body when he did have to go to the doctor. He, and I say, well, what'd they tell you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he didn't, he didn't know, but he lived a long time. What has happened that our people are now obese and sick and most of them, even at a young age, having to take drugs to get along? That's correct. I mean, a hundred years ago, one in 500 Americans had mental illness. Now it's one in five so with the amount of people with autoimmune conditions has skyrocketed, autism, cancer rates have skyrocketed. And we know that, um, you know, with, over the last hundred years, the diet has changed tremendously. And even though there's been some, um, you could say, discoveries that have aided human lifespan, the overall amount of extension of human lifespan has not been realized. In other words, the average American is still dying at the same age over the last 50 years, in, in fact, exposure to medical care doesn't necessarily make you live much longer. Um, so there's, there's very limited things that physicians can do when people are eating so poorly. And as you know, many people know today that 60% of the modern diet is processed foods and about a third, about 33% are animal products. That's leaving only about 10% for produce. And out of that 10% of produce, most of it is, is potatoes and ketchup. Um, in other words, it's only 2% of the American diet is vegetables, and vegetables are the most powerful longevity-promoting anti-cancer foods, including, and green vegetables and vegetables in general are the most protective foods against heart disease and strokes as well. You know, it's not this one diet for diabetes, another diet to prevent strokes, another diet to prevent cancer, another diet to prevent dementia, the same vegetable-rich diet program is protective from all those phytochemicals and antioxidants. So we're saying here that, um, oil, for example, soybean oil has increased a thousand fold in the American diet in the last hundred years. And of course, with the advent of more of a higher consumption of processed foods, and then there wasn't fast food restaurants around before the 1950s. So people had to eat um, more things they had to prepare themselves in their own kitchen and eating a slightly higher amount of vegetables, but they were still eating lard and, you know, spam and, and, you know, Crisco oil and, and, and a lot of meats and, and white flour products, even 50 years ago, it's when fast food restaurants made that kind of food easy to prepare, easy to get more accessible. And then I think that we saw the growing waistlines of, of the whole modern world, especially in America. The average American woman today weighs 160 pounds. The average American woman in 1920 weighed 118 pounds. That's amazing, isn't it? It's just, you yes. know, I, I just don't want to be average, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> and you know what happened? It, that around 1990, death rates went down from cancer and heart disease because doctors stopped prescribing estrogen to some women. And the reduction of prescriptions made less women die of breast cancer. And also women st started not smoking. A lot of people started quitting smoking, which made the death rates 
start to show an, a blip in improvement, but the overall rate of obesity and weight gain can continue to climb. And the only, any benefit we saw with that blip between 1990 and 20 and 2000 was overwhelmed by the death rates then climbing again as people started the waistlines of America continue to climb in spite of the reduction in smoking. We're about out of time in this segment, but I do want to introduce, a, do you think that the increase in pesticides um, and um, uh, nat, uh, unnatural fertilizers and GMOs has uh, contributed to this issue? Um, I don't, I, in a slight way, there have been some unusual types of cancers, lymphomas, leukemias, and Parkinson's disease related to pe pesticides, but the most common causes of death, heart attacks, strokes, and common cancers like breast and prostate cancer are not related to those things. They're more related to the food choices people are making because they're not, they're eating a diet too rich. They're not getting enough exposure to phytochemicals and antioxidants. They're not eating enough pro produce in their diet. So you're saying it's produce, not necessarily organic produce that's going to make the difference? Yes, I'm saying that there are some diseases that could can be promoted by chemical residue on food, but most common cancers and common causes of death are, are promoted by the lack of produce and the excess amount of processed foods and animal products, which I'm saying here that a piece of chicken is like a bagel, that yeah. both that both well, processed foods, don't, these um, common foods time. most people are eating or don't contain phytochemicals. It's, it's time yeah. for that promised break. Dr. Fairman okay. and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. This is Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing preventative nutrition is Dr. Joel Furman. 
his website, drfurman.com. Dr. Furman, we were getting into, and you gave me a pretty surprising answer, um, whether it's um, the lack of organic uh, produce in our diet versus just the lack of produce. And you were telling me that organic doesn't seem to make that much difference. So what studies support that? Well, I'm not saying organic doesn't make so much of a difference. I'm saying it the major cause, it doesn't affect the major causes of death. It affects some difference to, towards minor causes of death and some more unusual diseases. But we're saying that right now, that um, you could say more than a thousand studies support as a person increases their vegetable and fruit and bean and nut consumption, natural unrefined produce in their diet. You see reduction of all causes of death, including cancer deaths of all types and heart attacks and strokes. And the increase in plant food and produce doesn't have to be organic. All these studies are done on supermarket food and non-organic produce. It's true that there's been some reduction of nutrient content in, let's say, grain, corn, and, 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 and you could say commercially made grains, but most of the produce um, you know, from trees, from fruit trees or avocado trees and nut trees, the, the roots go deep, deep into the soil. And the nutrient content of those foods hasn't changed much. You don't have a high concentration of pesticides in deep-rooted trees. And tree, deep-rooted trees, um, and of course, um, um, most vegetables are not deficient. And the slight chemical residue on those vegetables can cause some problems, but they're a minor problem and not the major causes of death. It's utilizing pesticides mostly hurts the farm workers and the people working with pesticides. But the major reason that people are dying prematurely is because not eating enough vegetables, not because the vegetables are contaminated. That's that's groundbreaking information. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing that because there's a whole market out there, as you well know. Oh, you have to eat organic, you have to eat non-GMO, and people are getting all neurotic about it, <laughs> uh, myself included. But to find out that that's not the major cause, the major cause is just simply not enough fruits and vegetables. That makes that makes a lot of a lot of difference, you know, in what you're going to choose. Great. Um, even the, even the studies showing that. As animal protein and animal products go up in a diet, so does cardiovascular death and cancer deaths. You can, you know, animal protein dials up IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor one, a growth hormone that is permissive, allowing cancer cells to replicate and grow. And so some people argue, well, what if you eat, you know, organic wild-fed animal, wild animals that don't, that are not that are raised in pastures or caught in the wild and not given you know, artificial feeds and artificial grain diets. And the answer is you see the same results in increased cancer rates, even when the studies are done on naturally raised animal products, just because the animal protein itself is too growth promoting and humans excessively eat those foods. And of course, not enough plant protein instead. You know, so we need to shift the diet from reducing animal protein and reducing processed foods and improving our consumption of plant protein-containing foods because you get both micro you get, um, micronutrient diversity and phytochemical and fiber diversity, which then leads to a wide diversity of the microbiome of the bacteria that live in our gut. So it's still the basic, those basic factors. That's a year. There's another myth buster for you because most people are saying, oh, you have to go for um, grass fed, grass finished, um, right. you know, humanely butchered, and that's going to make all the difference. But you're telling me that doesn't really make a difference at all. Yes. It's, uh, well, I'm not saying it doesn't make any difference, but the difference is so subtle to be insignificant. In other words, um, I, I wouldn't like, for example, farm raised fish has more, let's say, 
um, more chemical toxicity than wild fish, but wild fish is still not, not toxic. There's still tremendous microplastic exposure in wild fish, especially because we dump thousands of tons of plastic into the ocean every hour. And even smaller fishes that used to be clean, like sardines and mollusks and clams and mussels and things are now contaminated with microplastic. So we've, we've spread pollution all over the world. And even a polar bear living in the Arctic still has PCBs and DDTs in its tissue. So we really, you know. How much do you think, uh, well, just part of it being plants, uh, you plant a seed, you grow it. Okay, it doesn't eat anything to survive. So it's not accumulating the toxins from what it's eating, just from the soil. Do you think that plays a part in it where the animals eat other things? It may, it possibly plays a part. And um, there are, like we were talking about, but you know, more than 90% of the exposure is that as a primate that can see color and taste sweet in our tongue, that we're our long-term survival and the anti-aging effects of the primates to live such a long time, humans can live such a long time because we expose ourselves, we can expose ourselves to thousands of different phytochemicals and antioxidants which support human immune function and slow the aging process and stabilize our telomeres and our stem cells. So we have certain longevity proteins and we have the ability to stabilize aging of our cells with a wide exposure to these phytochemical compounds found in an assortment of colorful plant material. So I'm saying it's mostly the lack of phytochemical exposure because animal products do not have any um, significant micronutrient load. They don't high in vitamins and minerals and they don't contain phytochemicals and antioxidants. And processed foods don't have phytochemicals and antioxidants either. So I'm saying that the money, the micronutrient bang that's able to give our body the immune support to protect us against cancer and against novel infections too, to protect us against infections, seeing so much people dying of needless infectious related death is still because we're not taking advantage of this wide diversity of healthy plants that we have the opportunity to eat in today's society. I mean, we can eat green vegetables fresh all year round because of the modern transportation methods. We can get frozen wild blueberries. We can get, we can get a more diverse color rainbow of foods and different types of beans and nuts and vegetables and, and mushrooms than, than even the blue zones where they supposedly living the longest because they have exposure to um, good, good plant foods in those areas. And so what I'm saying with the blue zones where they live seven to 10 years longer on the average are not the ideal diet and lifestyle because they're just haphazardly eating foods that their ancestors ate that they're available in that area. We have the opportunity to, to do better than a blue zone and really have our and have a unprecedented ability to live longer and age slower with the opportunity to eat the wide diverse amount of plants that are available in the supermarkets today. Well, let's talk a little bit about weight. Okay, it seems like, uh, particularly in America, people are absolutely obsessed with their weight, and yet we're the fattest we've ever been. And people, they'll, you know, just eat from wherever they're going to eat from fast food, this, that pretty soon the waistline spreads. Oh, I've got to go on a diet. And so we have all sorts of diets. We have the Meridian, Mediterranean, the Keto, the Gundry, the Atkins, the Primal, the Vegetarian, the Vegan, the Paleo, the Duncan, the HCG diet, the Zone diet, the Fasting diet. What, you know, and you, you go on these diets, people go on these diets, and the minute they go off, the weight comes back on. What's going wrong there? And what are you offering that's going to be any different? Right. I'm saying that you can't get, you can't, undo the calorie consuming monster 
In other words, you want to consume more calories because your diet is insufficient in nutrients. And if you're not going to focus on the nutritional quality of what you're eating, you're always just going to desire too many calories. You can't tell you to breathe less oxygen for a few minutes and you could be gasping for air in 10 or 15 minutes telling you to breathe less. If I tell you to eat less, you're going to be constantly fighting with your desire because you're always going to feel like eating more. And you're, you, in one of those, I'm saying right now that a person is desiring more calories than they need when they're not eating healthfully enough. And when you meet your needs for nutrients and fiber, because fiber is broken down by bacteria into a short chain fatty acid called butyrate, which then has a negative feedback loop in the hypothalamus telling you to eat less. But also when your body is relatively toxic from not consuming a healthy diet, then you're always feeling ill, shaky and fatigued and headachy, and you need more calories to suppress the elimination or detox from your unhealthy diet. So you always feel like you need more food. And the current diet style with so much, you could say fast food calories, like white flour and sugar or oil, which I'm calling these fast food calories because they go into the bloodstream so fast. And this heightened exposure the, the explosion of calories into the bloodstream so rapidly acts as a appetite stimulant and stimulates dopamine receptors in the brain in the same areas where opiates and narcotics stimulate. So I'm saying the present diet is addicting. It, it drives people to eat excessive amount of calories. And unless they um, focus on eating healthier, they're always gonna have trouble losing weight. So it's, it, they're in a vicious cycle of failure trying all these diets that do not focus on eating more green vegetables. I, you know, I have an acronym called GBOMS, which we use on my term I've called a nutritarian diet, which means a diet rich in nutrients. It just means eat healthier for longevity with more anti-cancer fighting foods and you'll benefit in the weight loss arena eventually too. You'll steadily gravitate slowly towards your ideal weight and you'll have better chance of sticking there if you just eat a healthier diet rich in anti-cancer foods. And I use this term G-bombs, G-B-O-M-B-S, so people can memorize and have at their, the tip of their tongue the most powerful scientifically proven foods that extend human longevity and fight cancer. And that stands for Greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. Have you had flax seeds or chia seeds today? Did you eat two different types of mushrooms today? Did you have scallion and onion on your salad today? Did you have a, um, some fruit with especially some berries? And did you, of course, eat both raw green vegetables in a salad and cook green vegetables too in a soup or a stew? Well, did you have all those foods today you're supposed to be eating? We're going to have to go into what we need to be eating. And I'm sure everybody's sitting on the edge of their chair at this point saying, OK, what is it that we're going to be eating? I want a little bit of this. <laughs> but we do have to take a commercial break. Dr. Fearman and I will return to our discussion shortly. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. 
or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Dr. Joel Furman. We're speaking about diet and nutrition as a path to optimum health. His website, drfuhrman.com. Dr. Fuhrman, we were getting into <laughs> breaking a lot of myths. And basically, you were saying if you take care of your health, your weight will take care of itself. Um, and right now, everybody's focused on this diet and that diet and the next diet to um, lose weight. Lose weight. Losing weight is the big, big issue. But we're starving to death and we're addicted to the foods that we're eating. How can we break that cycle? You have to eat a lot more food because there's a consistent and powerful association in the scientific literature between eating vegetables, particularly raw vegetables, and all types of common cancers. And I'm saying, and, and to get the full cancer protection, we need to eat both raw and cooked vegetables, including a big salad every day. So if you're eating a big salad, not like a, a six inch bowl, but a full nine inch bowl, and you're putting on it, you know, some raw scallion or red onion, tomatoes, shredded carrots or beets, you know, some cruciferous greens on top of that salad, like arugula or cabbage or kale. In other words, you're eating, let's say your lunch is a big salad, a bowl of vegetable bean soup and, a, and some fresh fruit. And so if you're eating the foods you need to eat to live to protect for what the human body needs, then you've crowded out off your plate a lot of foods that are unhealthy because the stomach can only hold a liter of food anyway. And these foods that are so healthy have a low caloric density. They're not calorically dense. So you can't fit that many calories into the one liter of a stomach just by eating more vegetables and beans and mushrooms and onions and raw vegetables and cooked green vegetables. You're eating more lower calorie food and you're not eating thimble sized portions of food. And I'm saying both the volume, the fiber, the space, the nutrient content, but also the type of food that signals to the body it's getting its nutrient needs net met means that your appetite goes down. And when your body gets its nutrient needs met, you don't produce as many free radicals, these toxins, these reactive oxygen species and other toxins like advanced glycation end products, you don't produce as much toxins. So you're not gonna feel fatigued and wiped out when you're not eating food all the time. I'm saying so the what, average person needs to keep putting food in their body to keep their energy up, which is because they're in, in a constant state of withdrawal from their, from their poisonous diet. So what does that do then if you start, and what, what I like about what you're saying is you're replacing things, or you're adding things you're, rather than, you know, focusing on taking away. So you're adding the things that you need. Once you start that cycle, what does that do to your mood, your mental state, your, your um, intelligence, if you will, to help you stay enthused to move forward? You know, it's funny because I have, you know, I have, you know, I have a retreat where people who are, let's say, overweight might come and stay two or three months here. 
to get off their blood, to get rid of their diabetes, get rid of their high blood pressure, their heart disease, and lose, a, you know, 50 to 100 pounds, go back home again. And they've learned how to eat and how to enjoy it, how to make the food. But one thing they always say is their mental fog lifts. They think more clearly. They're more creative and excited about life. They've got passion for living again. But we know that exposure to sweets and sugars and honey and commercial baked goods with their high amount of white flour, the spikes in glucose damages brain cells and like alcohol, a high, you could say glycemic diet, which leads to more, which increases risk of cancer also leads to depression. There's even studies that show that commercial baked goods or fast food consumption increases your risk of developing major depression in a dose dependent manner. The more servings, the higher risk of depression that you get. However, when people make that first switch from an unhealthy diet to a diet so high in healthy food, like vegetables, you know, mushrooms and beans and berries, they might temporarily feel more fatigued or a little uncomfortable the first week of the change as detoxification is enhanced. It's like stopping smoking or stopping you know, um, any kind of bad habits, come off caffeine, coffee, and you're gonna feel worse temporarily and more headaches. So people, when they switch over and they start pushing away more unhealthy food, they might temporarily, especially on day two, three, and four, to feel more fatigued and feel more uncomfortable. And, and some people even get a little withdrawal anxiety or withdrawal depression from their high sugar habits, their addicted, their sugar ad, um, addiction. So just stopping their sugar addiction could cause a temporary dip in how they feel. But then week two, week three, and week four, then they're on a plane of, of better of feeling better and, you know, and better consciousness and better emotions and more excitement about life. That's great because it's, it seems like what you're talking about there is the good old healing crisis. The body gets good food and it goes, hey, I'm going to get rid of this inferior stuff. Well, I've got a chance. And it all goes into your bloodstream at once and you get pretty sick, don't you? Yes, that's the thing is that we don't want people to start eating healthier and say, I felt better when I was eating French fries and hamburgers and pizza. I'm going to go back to eating that way. They have to recognize that you may feel a little uncomfortable for, for, for a few, at least a few days and, and well, stick with well, it and the good, the good feeling will come. While the body's doing housekeeping, right? It gets messy. That's right. <laughs> Amazing. So um, the name of your diet is Nutri-Ditton. No, say, it's, say it for me. I, may, I coined the word nutritarian, which just there means we go. nutrient rich with a lot of nutrient concentration and diversity. So people recognize that every piece of broccoli has like 700 nutrients in it. A strawberry has more than a thousand different nutrients in it. It's not just vitamin C. You can't get these supplement, these vitamins from a supplement. But when we eat, you know, a wide diversity of natural foods, it's the synergy from all these different types of nutrients that en that enables the power of the human of the human cells to meet their fullest potential, have strongest immune function, which you know, like super immunity. And then we wouldn't see so many people obviously being hurt by by infections, and we wouldn't see obviously we could win the war on cancer. And by win the war on cancer, I'd say it would be a rare occurrence that people would be exposed to, you know, really that the most common cancers like breast cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer, we don't have to see that occurring in, in large amounts in our populations. We can control this with excellent diet if people would learn this information. And my mission and my um, teachings, I'm, I'm thinking it should be reading, writing, arithmetic, and nutritional science taught in grade schools. It shouldn't be something that just doctors learn. It should be that the whole population has to learn this information and study it because it's, it has to be, you have to eat right all through life to and we'd save so many millions in, of human tragedies of, if people just learned more about nutrition and healthful eating. 
It is sad. Most people know more about and take better care of their vehicles. I mean, they get an oil change when they need to get an oil change. They don't put sugar in the gas tank. They put the right kind of gas in the car. We learn those things when we're teenagers, and yet we don't know how to eat. It's really pretty terrifying, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, when you, if you don't understand the addictive nature of food, then you get hooked. And once you get hooked, you don't, can't even think straight anymore because now your logic, your, your primitive brain has taken over your behavior. So what I'm saying right now is the processed foods, the oils and the fried foods and the fast food and the sugars are so addicting that the person now looks for rationalizations why it's okay to eat that way because cognitive dissonance is too uncomfortable to, real, to be in like, in, to be like, you know, guilty and feeling bad every time you eat something bad. So most people just don't think about it anymore. They block it out of their consciousness. Instead of learning how to make healthy food taste great and learning how to enjoy healthy eating and make that the way of eating you prefer. And it's part what, of our it's part of our lifestyle too, though, isn't it? Everything is more important than what we eat. We finally get hungry, we zip by a fast food place, or we grab a candy bar and it keeps us going. But we've got we've got this job, we've got this thing to do, we've got busy, busy, busy. And yet you're telling me that as a result of that kind of a diet, our ability to function and to create and to manifest is depressed because our mental capacity is depressed. Is, am I getting that right? Absolutely. And exposure to, even exposure to sweets in childhood leads to a, um, a higher rate of developing drug addiction and criminal behavior later on in life. We're saying that it definitely has de detrimental effects on brains and people achieving, being happy and healthy and achieving economic success and emotional success in life. The, more, the worse the quality of your diet, the worse the pro your ability to achieve a happy and healthy life is. And I'm also saying that Wherever you are right now, where people are suffering with various conditions, now is the time to make the change because the body can make radical improvements, and we can get in type two diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease. And you know, I've seen people with chronic headaches and lupus and asthma and psoriasis and all types of multiple sclerosis make complete recoveries through nutritional excellence. I don't want people to underestimate the power that nutrition has to enable the body's miraculous self-healing properties to fully manifest itself and create repair to the damage that was done. So it's it incredibly, it's an incredible opportunity, you know? Right. It only makes sense because, you know, any other machine, we know that it is only as good as what you put into it. And if you want to fix it, you have to put the right parts back in and you have to give it the right oil and blah, 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 blah. But we don't apply that to our bodies. It's just mind boggling. You know, the one thing I'd really like to go into on the other side of a break, which is going to be coming up pretty soon, is when you're as a doctor working with all these different diseases, is uh, your diet pretty standard or do you have... Um, a variety of things that you try to offer to bring back balance for a while. In other words, do you lean towards one form of nutrition or another, depending on the disease the person is broken out with? Well, there are some diseases that require some modification of the diet. Just to give an example, like people with lupus shouldn't eat alfalfa sprouts because they're sensitive to cannabinoids, or some, you know, there's something substance in there. There are, so there are some mild modifications. Maybe if the person's type two diabetic, we want their diet to be more glycemically favorable to lower their sugars faster. So we wouldn't be eating dried fruit. Let's say putting a date to sweeten the dessert, we'd make, or we'd, you know, we'd have a certain limit on the amount of fruit they're consuming. But basically it's, 
relatively similar. It's almost, it's remarkably similar as to the same plan that maximizes health and lifespan for humans is best for most diseases. Fantastic. Well, it is time for that promised break, but Dr. Furman and I will be back shortly with more nutritional information. So don't go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. This is Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To find out more about me, my school, and the other evolutionary tools we offer, visit findyourpathhome.com. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Dr. Joel Furman. His website, drfurman.com. Dr. Furman, we were getting into how you can modify the diet that you've suggested um, for particular um, illnesses, but still it stays pretty much the same. So would you briefly outline the diet and is there any meat in it at all? Well, we are advocating that people restrict their animal product consumption and their oil consumption and use more nuts and seeds to gain fat. In other words, get most of your fat from the whole food. It's walnuts, not walnut oil. We're making, it's almonds, not almond oil. It's sesame seeds, not sesame oil. We're mixing those seeds and nuts as a salad dressing, as a sauce, as a vegetable sauce. And likewise, animal products are, are relatively limited. All the blue zones, it's always less than 10%. And for disease reversal, we want it to be less than 5%. But there are people who, are, who should have zero animal products because obviously there are some people that are addicted to them and a little bit makes them want more and more and more because of the concentrated calories and negative effects of eating too many animal products. So yes, yeah, so a nutritarian diet can be totally plant food based and a vegan diet or a person could use an animal products in small amounts as a flavoring or a condiment in restricted amounts. But a diet high in animal products is too disease promoting. So we don't recommend people move towards paleo or keto diets where they're eating mostly animal products because those are, we can say there's too many long-term studies that are high credence value following people to death showing that the animal protein is linked to early life mortality and premature deaths from higher in front of animal products. So, and plus the fact that as we're talking, we know that the, these um, high nutrient plant foods and eating in large volumes are necessary to maximize human lifespan. And then if you, so you just don't have much room for that if you're eating all the, you know, the bean dishes and the mushroom dishes and the onions and all the delicious um, plant material you're supposed to be eating. So we'd like so people, oh, go ahead. Would you mind clarifying, you've mentioned beans numerous times. Are you talking about beans or legumes? Both. I, I use the words, I use beans and legumes interchangeable. You know, I, so yes, legumes and beans, I use interchangeable. We're talking about, you know, azuki beans, red kidney beans, soybeans, you know, black eyed peas, cannoli beans, white wall types of beans, navy beans. So yes, we're talking about that in all the blue zones and in all the long lived people and centenarian studies, bean consumption is always linked to enhancing human longevity. And even the Hispanic paradox in America, where people are in the same, let's say, food desert, living shorter lifespans, um, the Hispanic paradox is, Hispanic paradox is 
um, the Hispanic population eating more beans doesn't see as much of the early life death because they're eating more beans in their diet. And the nurse's health study, for example, showed the same thing, that the women who ate the most beans had the lowest rates of breast cancer. So we're saying we're, we're removing more plant proteins. I mean, removing more animal proteins and utilizing more high protein plant foods like beans and nuts and green vegetables, of course. To, what, what about food combining to get your full, a whole protein? Is that all that important if you're staying, you know, in a variety like that, you know, if you eat legumes and grain, that's a whole protein as if you're eating a piece of meat. Is, do you focus on that much or does it just kind of happen of its own accord? Yeah, I don't focus on that at all, because if you're eating the wide variety of foods I want people to eat every day, just tell, they're not just eating one food. If you just ate all grains or all fruit or all one food, then, but, it, but we're talking about part of the aspect of the diet is trying to eat a variety of different types of food. So then that wouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Because you're using, you're eating nuts and beans and vegetables and different things in your, um, in the, you know, during the day anyway. So you don't really have to get it all in at one meal, but because of the recipes usually do involve mixing a lot of different types of foods in. So you always get that complete protein anyway. Do you have a recipe book out as well as your um, uh, instructional book? Oh, I have, I've written um, 13 books, but I have um, seven New York Times bestselling books, two of which are recipe books, the Eat Ooh, to Live Cookbook and the Eat to Live Quick and Easy Cookbook. But I have about um, eight other short recipe books that are made for various disease states. I have, in other words, I have a recipe book just for diabetes, just for high blood pressure and heart disease. I have different books for various conditions with the recipes slightly adapted to those conditions. So yeah, that's my, what I do, a specialty is making sure people know that they can eat great tasting food with great recipes and still lose weight, get rid of their diseases and get and, and live a long time. You know, so yes, obviously. And on my website, for example, I have more than 2000 recipes. Oh, fantastic. And I think that's what, where people really get tripped up is there, you know, how many generations has it been since we knew how to cook traditional foods? You know, I remember my mother was from the Betty Crocker era, fake food made out of fake food, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that was cooking. You know, you buy a cake mix and then you, you throw in your egg and your milk and, and you're, you're a cook, right? Mm. Um, and then we've gone to the point that my daughter, she was in, you know, and she came home from grade school. She says, you know what they taught us in home ec today, mom? I said, no, dear, because of course I brought my kids up cooking, right? She says, how to microwave a hot dog. Do I have to go back? <laughs> wow. So the education is not there. So I'm glad that you're putting oh, out- God that people can, can learn how to take care of themselves that and way. And it's, it's not that complicated. Like we're trying to give people a healthy salad dressing. You could take a low sodium pasta sauce, a red sauce, and mash in with a fork, some almond butter, and pour in a little fig vinegar or balsamic vinegar in there. And you have a great salad dressing, just three ingredients. But one of my favorite salad dressings is just to blend an orange with some cashews and toasted sesame seeds and a little blood orange vinegar and a squeeze of lemon just a few ingredients, taste incredibly delicious dressing for your salad. And to make, you know, a Thai curry sauce for, for a mixed vegetable wok at dinner, you know, that tastes fantastic with a little um, lemongrass that you mix in with some um, coconut and um, hemp seeds and a little bit of um, curry and turmeric. So we're Well, I'm, about... I'm gonna have to stop you right there because you're just making me hungry. Right, so we're gonna make great, we're gonna make vegetables taste and make these dishes taste so good that you're gonna feel like you're not feeling deprived and you're not feeling deprived trying to eat thimble-sized portions of food. You can eat a generous portion of food because it's naturally good for you and low in calories. So if the whole populace were to take up your advice, do you think that you would, we would abolish heart disease and cancer or, um, or what? <laughs> 
Well, there are studies on that, actually. There's actually the Catawba Island study, and there are other populations that have no heart disease in their ancestors or in their, because they eat so healthfully. So yes, I do think that would almost occur. I mean, don't forget, you'd have to have probably people doing it for a few generations to wipe out cancers, but um, to wipe out all cancers. And some cancers are caused by environmental factors like asbestos or smoking that contribute to it. But even the Fiji Island study showed that you had less lung cancer in the smokers on Fiji Islanders and you had smokers on Hawaiian Islanders because they were eating more green vegetables. So even your diet even affects the risk of smoke of getting cancer from smoking cigarettes. So yes, I'm not saying you'd wipe out all cancer right away, but over time we'd wipe out more than 90% of most cancers. And the more we clean up the environment and get people eating healthfully, don't forget cancer hardly even occurred in the, in the history of humans. The, the most common cancers in the 14th century were scrotal and testicular cancers in men who worked as chimney sweeps who were inhaling smoke um, from being exposed to peter, um, polyaromatic hydrocarbons from smoke, breathing in smoke. Right now, putting fireplaces in your house and being exposed to burning smoke is not good for your health. But what I'm saying right now is yes, We've studied the cause of, we know what causes most diseases and we have the scientific knowledge to protect our population, but people aren't, they're not, don't seem interested in following it because they've become so addicted to this fast food revolution that's been destroying our population. And also people's diets are also having a tremendous negative effect on the planet, climate change and taking down natural habitats. And, you know, obviously we're raising a lot of, we're, we're taking away the rainforest to grow feed you know, palm oil and soybeans to grow more cattle so people can eat more meat. So we're doing a lot of damage in the way people are eating to the earth as well. So Dr. Fairman, what is your mission? I'm excited about my mission in my life. I, you know, my mission is to let people know that they don't have to be sick, to let people know they can take control of their health destiny, that it's not just luck or just genetics, that they have a large role to play and they can, they can achieve a great, healthy and happy life. And in doing and spreading this message can help thousands of people, can help millions of people across the world and also benefit the earth at the same time. So I'm very excited about the opportunity to speak and to, and to get this message out. Well, I'm so glad you're in the world doing what you're doing. In, in closing, what is the best advice that you have for our audience? The best advice is don't, be, don't just give up and check out. Get back into the game, take charge of your health and don't accept just taking medications and your doctor told you have to take medications the rest of your life for diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease or some autoimmune disease. Don't accept that. Get back into this idea that you could get well and reverse disease through nutritional excellence and, and look into this more, more detail. Learn and look into it. It's exciting information and it can benefit so many people. And where can people find out more about you? drfurman.com is d-r-f-u-h-r-m-a-n.com and as you said my most recent book is called eat for life and it's obviously people can get that anywhere well it's, it's wonderful it's been a real joy having you on the show and i hope you continue doing what you're doing for a long time thank you so much it's been a real pleasure now dear your, your retreats are you still doing retreats through covid yes my retreats been open all the time because obviously we care for people who come here and stay here 
Um, so yes, we don't, um, I do a lot of Zoom um, boot camps and things on the website and not traveling as much with these vacation type retreats have been cut back, but we still have the retreat where people come and live with us for 30 to 90 days and learn to, who are, have significant medical conditions and want to stay with us. Or just, maybe they just want to be here to change over their diet and learn how to eat so healthfully and enjoy being here. Fantastic. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much again. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Joel Furman family physician, seven-time New York best-selling author, and nutritional researcher who specializes in preventing and reversing disease through nutritional and natural methods. His website, drfuhrman.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Wilda Wiecka. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Be sure to join us next time when we'll be bringing better good guests and more information. Until then, You take care.